You have landed on The Substance, a podcast aiming at being biblical, thoughtful, and human. Join us each week as we engage the culture without the culture war. I'm one of your three hosts. My name's Trevor Aiken. I'm also joined by Philip Marnell. Hey, everybody. And Vincent Edwards. What's going on? So there no more howdies anymore? Guys, wow. what are we doing changing here? it up a little bit. Well, you know, since I did the this intro, I guess it free zone. was a less howdy. Um, it, it's coming back. Don't I feel worry. Like I've been the only consistent one here in the <laughs> last true. year's worth of episodes. We're really got consistent my, in talking about the howdy, though, which I think is... Got in my lane and I stayed with it. Fine. The howdy is just going to die die a silent death. A very, See ya, howdy. A very good lane. Um, speaking of lanes, this show has three different lanes. We're a Christian variety show. Our three lanes are kind of a media reflection, cultural engagement kind of style, a long form uh, style we call reflex, and then this, which is topic toss-up. Get to kind of just chop it up over um, things that maybe we, it's not like deeply researched stuff like we do sometimes with the reflex or we're not just going to go hard for an hour on something, but just kind of chat it up over, over sometimes listener questions we're or go other things that are, for an hour on yeah. many things. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so welcome. Welcome to the show. Welcome. And be, because of the um, <clears throat> we record these ahead of time, thank you to every listener who did vote for us for the uh, pitch <laughs> best local podcast in Kansas City. Um, I'm I'm just projecting forward <laughs> that we won, and I'm very excited. Yeah, we'll thank see you if for my that. optimism bears that out. Speak it into existence, Philip. Yeah, what I'm. Do they, uh, <laughs> what do they call that? The secret, actualizing. You're gonna. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, straight up, this could be a topic toss up in the future. God's sovereign, but I do kind of believe in that to a degree. What? I think it's real. Yes. It's basically goal setting. No, it's essentially it's goal setting. Oh, yeah. You set a goal, you choose things, you make choices, you do actions, and you get there. It's not literally like magic, but. Sure, sure, sure. Like, you know, it's the people who are like, hey, I'm going to make a a top, like a, a number one you know, rap hit in this year or whatever. And it's like four years down the road and they work toward it and they get it. Yeah. Sure. They, they worked really hard for it. I, I think that is a interesting topic probably for a different time. I know yeah, we, we that have would some be other things we want to jump into. Um, Cause I definitely have, have pushed back to that as you know, I do, but yeah, um, it's wrong. It's fine. Let's do it. <laughs> so that's good. What do we got on the docket first today, fellas? Vince, I know I want to, you were saying you want to share some things on your heart, man. Yeah, um, so a particular topic that's pretty close to my heart um, is really seeking to break down um, what I would call certain stigmas within the Black community when it comes to the topic of mental health. Mm. And before we even dive in, I want to make sure that the, the goal and intention is really not to ostracize anyone who might not be in the Black community or anything like that, more than... Um, relate to individuals who this resonates to, because I think we'll talk about some things that are not exclusive to the Black community, but definitely there's an emphasis within the Black community. Um, and then just equip um, the listeners to be able to have um, more informed conversations, um, because it's hard. Like, how do you approach that conversation just be like hey you're black what are your issues with mental health you know what i mean mm. like <laughs> how do you even start that conversation <laughs> so uh this it hopefully is a is a catalyst to be able to have good conversations surrounding it if you are a part of it um like i said some universal things that probably affect a lot of different people and then just being able to fa facilitate conversations in order to break some of those stereotypes down you know what i mean yeah so, so like, what do you feel, Vince, is, is the stigma or the crux of the problem around mental health in the black community? So there's like, I'd say there are probably a lot of subsections that you could identify. Um, I think one main one is um, this idea that um, it's like a white thing. Hmm. And and I mean that in the sense of like, like, like folks have their therapists, but right. we don't need that. Exactly. And it's almost kind of this idea that um, by by suffering through it, I become better and thus I don't need it. 
And if I do seek to do that, and it's it's the same kind of trope that bleeds into education. If you want to get a higher education, there's this huge trope that, oh, that's a white thing. Or if you speak, you know, eloquently or properly or anything like that, it's like, oh, well, you're talking white and stuff like that. Mm. And so it, it bleeds on that line of argumentation that um, it's it's not something that your culture is familiar with or comfortable pursuing. And that's something that, at least definitely more in the past, that's something that other communities were very open with discussing and saying, we engage in this, this is, you know, for, for us to have. Yeah. Um, and so it just got attributed as it's a white thing. And obviously that has um, kind of a negative connotation yeah. or just an unwelcoming connotation. And I, I think that's one of the big ones. I will say that that's declining more as the the general conversation of mental health is growing yeah i do think that 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 is starting to get a bit more minimized but i think there are still plenty of people who are plagued by that yeah so so what would you say is i guess then the impact like what what do you see happening and what or what have you experienced even yourself around when that stigma comes to bear on somebody who who maybe is struggling with some things like what What's the impact? Yeah, what's of, your of story this stigma? on that? Yeah, the not only to that particular stigma, but to any any stigma that would allow you to believe that mental health uh, resources, whether that be counseling, whether that be therapist, I don't know really the difference between the two. I think they're the same, or whether it be uh, even medication, depending on the the depths of the condition. Um. <laughs> Anything that's leading you away from that, the impact obviously is any trauma that you have experienced or suffered or gone through, you are not going to have it dealt with properly. Mm. And not just to be able to cope, but to actually be able to be free from it. I do know that another point of impact is just not not being comfortable if like my story was i i was at a point in my life where i either needed medication or a counselor and so <laughs> I, I went the route of a counselor um and it was hard to start it was difficult because i mm. went in thinking this wasn't going to work mm. Mm. um i went in thinking this is just you know a, a hired friend to talk to and mm. nothing more than that. That's kind of how, how I think about it sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like, I have friends. And, like, I actually have friends. Not just, like, God's blessed me that, like, some of the spiritual relationships I have, it's people who, who know me very well and who know the word. And then I'm like, well, I think this is a really good first line of defense. I wouldn't say, hey, if you got friends that you can talk to, don't, don't talk to a doctor. Right. Right. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of reasons why. I mean, there's something about taking that intentionality. And Vince, I mean, you could speak more from from your experience on this, and you will. I'm sure you will in a second. But like, even the best intentioned friend and the, and the most knowledgeable friend is still approaching it in a different kind of context than somebody that is a trained professional that you're going to for for that kind of help, right? Of course, um, yeah. And I think that that's I think that's really pivotal because. You know, even just from a time aspect, you know, to really be able to sit down and, and that consistency aspect too. Like, yeah, even somebody who really wants the best for you, mental health wise, and wants to help out in those ways, however they can. Like, there are certain limitations, right? Yeah, one hundred percent. And honestly, it's though you know, I you know, shout out to Joel, who's who's kind of super close mm. guy to me. Um, who Joel. has been super helpful in in kind of tackling some of the things that um, was going on in my mind. Um, that consistency and that professional take to really have like a third party vantage point to show you what to look for or bring attention to actions or reactions that you have to certain things that you wouldn't have if you were just talking to a friend or if you were just kind of rolling it, mulling it over in your own head. Um, it's not going to bring that kind of third party objective view who doesn't really have any, um, incentive to tell you what you want to hear, but more incentive to actually tell you what's going to help you and what you need. 
Um, and so that's a huge benefit mm. of seeking that help if the results that you're wanting, which is, you know, joy or peace or things like that from a mental health standpoint or relief, that's, that's one of the benefits it's going to allow is for you to be able to actually attain that um, because you got somebody else on the outside looking in. I will also say one huge stigma on the uh, kind of the opposite side is, I, again, I know this is not exclusive to uh, the Black community, but the uh, hyper-spiritualization of yeah. mental health. Oh, my goodness. That's um, the one I resonate with a lot more. Very much in the yeah. conservative church. I'm pretty sure. No, I, I know, actually. Some of my friends, even in the last few years, basically told that, like, they weren't trusting in God because they were seeking mm-hmm. medical relief for mm. anxiety and things like that. Well, sure, because, like, yeah. the whole, you know, the whole psychological field, and, I mean, some of it is based in truth. Like, at some level, like, suke, right, is soul. Like, it is the study of the personhood. Sure. Like, it's... In a sense, it is soul care. And in some senses, too, at least some of the, right, and I question sometimes some of the demonization that goes on a, a lot in the things that I was taught. But, like, you know, some of the early German psychologists, right, were explicitly, you know, hey, we're going to replace with the the work of the church, basically, because we can do sure. it better. We can do it in a scientific way. Yeah. And so I, I think that oppositional framing, you know, that's at least how people would justify it. But I don't. I don't think it has to be that way, right? Like, I don't think it has yeah. to be that way. I don't think it has to be because I, I was like when I did get a counselor, um, I, I did get a Christian counselor, um, and so that definitely helped. And it was nice to be able to see someone who had strong faith, but also a professional in the field. But I went in with such apprehension, and that was one of the of the biggest kind of hurdles to get over. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I will qualify that by saying there is a reality, and I say this as a testament, there is a reality in making an assessment of what your worship life looks like if you're a believer, mm. and really like being honest. Like, what does that look like? How am I engaging in the Word? How am I engaging with God? Um, what does that look like? Because that mm, sure. that can be a huge help as one who has gotten to a point where I'm, I, I'm, I'm doing well. A huge crux of that has been reevaluating my worship life with the Lord. Mm. And so I, I don't dismiss that there is, I truly believe that there is um, a spiritual aspect when it comes to mental health. I can't tell you the details of how spiritual warfare and things like that happen. Um, and I know there are plenty of people who <laughs> will tell you like, well, this is how the demon works and this is how the angel fights for you. Yeah, yeah, you should be skeptical of that. Of that. Be skeptical yeah. of that stuff. Uh, but I think that there is a, there is an element to that. And so I, I would definitely encourage not a dismissal of the spiritual aspect in its entirety. No. But I, I think that's one of the other big ones. That's just so huge. It's just like, I, I'm, I'm, if I just read my Bible, listen to a few gospel songs, then I will have all the walk, joy and peace. Yeah, I'll <laughs> have it all. And, and I don't need no counselor. I don't need any medication. It's all in the spirit. It's all spiritual rather than some being spiritual, some being practical. And, and that balance just wasn't something that we encountered often. Hmm. So the last thing I'd ask Vince is like, as somebody is listening to this and they're resonating with you, like, yeah, I felt that signal. You're right. I've been kind of maybe kicking it around in my head back and forth that maybe I needed to go do this in your experience. What was the first step that you took on that? Like, what does that look like? First, Yeah. First step that I took was honestly just coming to this realization that I couldn't do, I couldn't continue what I was doing, which was nothing. Mm-hmm. And then how did you get, like, and I mean, too, your first step in, like, getting connected with somebody oh, who would actually be your, your counselor? Yeah. Um, honestly, I, I Googled it. I Googled Christian counselors. <laughs> um, and I got led to this app um, app and website called Faithful Counseling. Nice. This is what worked for me. Uh, I'm not necessarily saying that as an endorsement. 
um, of faithful counseling, um, but it did work for me. Um, they had you take a kind of a questionnaire of your denomination and what was going on. Um, so they could match you in your state with somebody who is as close to that that uh, area. And honestly, they they even had um, financial assistance for people because I know that's a wow. huge thing. Yeah. It matched you up. You had kind of a a questionnaire to take, and then from that questionnaire, they get you assigned. And, and and they often check in and they say, "Hey, how's your counselor doing? Is it helping? Is are you getting what you need?" And if mm. if not, then tell us. We can either match you up with a different counselor or kind of give feedback to the counselor. Um, it was very convenient for working individuals or like young professionals because um, you have the option of doing. I believe you could do in person, um, but they have uh, text. Basically, I don't know how effective that is, but you could literally do an entire session over text huh. or video Jeez. call or the phone. A video and call. I did, phone call. Sounds yeah, I wouldn't. I don't text. know if I would recommend text I messages. I mean, if that's where you're at, like comfort level wise, isn't that your first step? Like, right? You know, um, maybe I was a cool offering, I guess, if you are kind of that apprehensive. Yeah. yeah, I I didn't feel comfortable, and honestly, I just didn't have the time to do a video chat. But I, I was able to get on the phone. There um, you go. And uh, the doctor I worked with, um, they were just they were they were great, and so that's. That's just that thing that I would encourage anybody to do. Um, really kind of do an assessment of where you are, the results that that is getting you. And if it's not, and especially if you're starting to mind down and understand that there's something deeper going on than just, I don't feel good today, um, mm -hmm. then, then, like nice. I said, take that next step. Um, that's what I used. I'm sure there are plenty other other ones, and BetterHelp is probably a good one if you're not a Christian, but you're still listening. Or if yeah. you don't care, I think at the end of the day, they are professionals. And so um, the, yeah. the point is to be helped. And I, I think that's what helped me. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate you sharing your heart in that as well, because I think that will be a helpful thing for somebody to hear. Like, don't just let fear or like, I think people get concerned about like, man, you know, is it the wrong thing? I can't do this because then I'll be ungodly or whatever. And it's like, Yo, take care of yourself. Yeah, their mission, people's mission, if they're your counselor, isn't like to deconstruct your faith or whatever. Like, you know, and if you detect that, move on, you know, to somebody else. Right. You don't have to stick with somebody, but like, yeah, you don't need to be paranoid of, yeah. of it as a discipline. Right. Get the help that you, like, some people, I feel like what you're, to what you're saying too, Vince, like, they know in their gut that this is what they need to do, but there's just that stigma holding them back. Right. And so or like the if, cost, frankly, in, in the US. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But like, yeah, take that, take that step. I think that's a that's a good caring word. Did you say it was pretty cost effective, Vince? It's pretty cost effective. You can uh apply for and basically when I say financial assistance, basically they, they reduce your rates to just make it a little bit more affordable in what in what you have. Um, honestly, I'm, I'm telling you, if you are feeling the pull to, to do this, save your pennies and just do it on a monthly basis and really just take, take time to invest in yourself and your own health. Uh, cause I think it's the, the dividends will yield very high mm -hmm. on the long end. If you, if you take the time to, um, do the front work. So yeah, if you get yourself healed, you can be operating at a higher level. Yeah. And I'm sure that there are um other apps or other programs that would do financial assistance or something like that i know there are some insurance plans that um help cover some of that cost i i cannot give you a list of which ones do <laughs> um but look into that and just and see what options are available but don't let either cost or stigma or hesitation be the thing where it's like for this one reason or a few reasons i'll do nothing at all it's like sift through those reasons, see what your options are, and seek to break down those reasons until you can get yourself a yes. Boom. There you go. Uh, so the next topic we have tonight is one that we have been <laughs> kicking down for, for quite a while. Um, yep. If you guys remember the Hot Seat episode, what number episode even was the Hot Seat, Trev? Do you hot remember? Seat. Dang, bro. Um, I'll have this to up here. pull up the it feed, man. It was a minute ago. It's like 40 something. It was like 30 yeah. something. Hot seat 47 published 47. on March 2nd. Dang. Or May 2nd. I apologize. That's back in the day. So, all right, that's right, right say, before so, um, the Jesse Eubank stuff. 
one of the topics that um, for the hot seat episode, we solicited listener questions. We'll probably do that again sometime. Like we get questions from you guys and we usually plug them in to topic toss ups. But if we happen to have a time where we're like, we'd love to do another just kind of mailbag type episode mm-hmm. where you ask us questions. Love that stuff. That could be fun. Let us know if that's something you're you're into. We can put that yeah. on the calendar. But one of the questions we thought was really good that we didn't get to on the hot seat episode was, what is your favorite Bible passage and why? I thought that was great. I was like, man, that could be almost a whole episode, <laughs> like depending yeah. on how deep we wanted to go on that. But for sure. Go ahead and uh, get that kicked off for us. So one of my favorite passages, it's been my, it's been one of my favorites for a very long time. And it's also one of the things about it that has kind of been interesting to see is like how my focus kind of shifts over time in it. It's, um, second Timothy two, kind of one through seven, probably most famous for uh, verses three through six. Um, and three through six reads, share in suffering as a soldier, as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have first share of the crops. And then there's a little bit more in the front and the back. But I've always really been drawn to that as a nice picture of the Christian life, different things to aspire to and kind of different aspects you have. It's easy. It's the classic three-part sermon. You got your soldier, your athlete, and your farmer. That was um, one of the first sermons I gave was on this passage, kind of talking about three pictures of the Christian life. And uh, actually, by the time this airs, there's an episode. (sighs) I forget what it's called, um, but I'll link it in the show notes of this particular episode. I was on another podcast talking about I was answering the question, if I could talk to anybody in the Bible who was not Jesus, who would it be? And I said, Timothy, just Mm. Timothy and Paul's relationship always fascinated me. And I think it's really interesting that just what the perspective of Timothy is like the first next generation minister of the gospel, like Mm. his mom and his grandmother were the ones who like saw the people who actually saw Jesus and had the first, like he was giving it handed to him and like, What's that like? And the way Paul's encouraging him here is to be like the soldier, the athlete, and the farmer, and really kind of in the stages of maturity and growth I've had thus far. When I was like pretty young, all about the soldier. The other two were like just kind of there. <laughs> and <laughs> later on, I was like, oh, the athlete, like that's pretty important too, like endurance and all that. But I mean, honestly, a lot of my attention now is just kind of on thinking about what it's like to be like a faithful farmer who's doing the 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 work of tilling the ground, doing the faithful things and and expecting the good fruit and I've I I like it as a whole picture because all those different things are important but they do kind of highlight different either personality traits or uh, focal points so it's something that's always whenever I spend time kind of meditating on it and dwelling on it I always kind of have fresh insights. Yeah. It's good. That's solid, man. Love that. That's a good one. I'm going to lead right back in um, with mine. I have tons, but uh, the one in particular is obviously Jude chapter one, verse three. Um, it's, obviously. I know, right? Just uh, if you knew, if you knew Vince, if you, you knew know Vince that. at all. Yeah, you knew this was coming, but <laughs> it's, it's definitely like we all probably have our favorite verses, but this is by far my favorite. Super quick, um, beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Mm. And um, that one was significant for me, um, just kind of knowing my story. I, uh, long story short, apologetics in a way um, really helped me to be able to seek to strengthen my faith because knowing that there was an answer, knowing that there was a reason behind the faith um, that one could give and contend for it to where it's not just you are getting an argument, but you're saying that there is substance, there is weight, there is context to the faith of Christianity that goes beyond just saying, well, cause Jesus, 
that blew my mind and that kind of really led me on a journey um to want to do that and and want to teach and equip others to do that so hmm. and then obviously it's referencing jude 3 project which is like my favorite <laughs> um so uh we're not at shout outs but shout out to them um and yeah so that that's one of one of the many favorites that i have um and it's it's super close to my testimony and super close to just a lot of passions in my life man that's good that's good for mine here uh just like vince was saying there's so many so many like swaths of scripture that are I really enjoy sure. swimming. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, on this show, you guys hear me all the time. I'm quoting from Ephesians, and Ephesians then and huge. yeah, Romans is super good. Deuteronomy, um, but I think for myself, like the one that my mind went to is one that kind of just gets me back to the person of Jesus because I feel like so much of my mental life like tries to take me into academic ways of approaching faith, and I have to fight that tendency. And I, th- I think I have a natural bent toward it, um, you know, self-described Bible nerd, creating quizzes and stuff, even as a kid for the Bible, like love that very, story so much, very academic, like, and I feel like in my faith tradition, that kind of thing's super encouraged too. And so just to come back to like Jesus, mm-hmm. um, and this is one of my favorite, like little vignettes of the person of Jesus, um, and Mark four. So if you're you're following along, I guess <laughs> I want to read this passage. It, uh, it's just a, a little narrative passage about a time when, after Jesus um, had been preaching in the sea uh, off from a boat in the Sea of Galilee, he decided to cross the other side. So Mark four thirty five says Jesus said to his disciples, "Let's cross the other side of the lake." Uh, reading out of the NLT, by the way, just because I like the way it handles narrative. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind although other boats followed. But soon, a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. That in and of itself is amazing. (laughs) Um, The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind, and he said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly, the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. There's so many things. Like, literally, we could do an entire reflex on this. The themes of faith and rest, mm. of doubt, of fear, and even just the person of Christ. Like, so, so two things. I mean, I, there's just so much I could say, but, but I just to keep it short. Two things is just one. I, I wanted to to point out what the what Mark does in the text, which is they're afraid, right? They wake Jesus up because they're freaking out that they're going to die. They don't, right. and and they actually accuse Jesus of not caring you're not freaking out enough, yeah. right? And so sometimes, t- too, like, we don't necessarily have to match everybody's emotional state because sometimes people are in hysterics and they're wrong, you know? And, <laughs> and so, um, so I think that's, that's an interesting thing there, right? Jesus models that. But then they're freaking out. He asks them why they're afraid. But what's interesting is the storm stops in verse 39. And then he's asking them questions in verse 40. And what happens with their fear level? Their fear level actually goes yeah. up. They actually get more afraid because then they realize that there's something stronger than the most powerful forces of nature that they know can kill them sitting in their boat. And that's Jesus himself. Mm. Because literally, who can do that? Who wakes up from a nap and is like, oh, dang, the boat's sinking, and walks to the front of the boat and says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to speak to nature and command it to change its state, and it will obey. Like, literally, the wind will be like, yes, yes, Lord. I can't even get my kids to <laughs> take a bite of food when it's dinner time and they're yeah, hungry. unless you raise time and they're hungry. That's what <laughs> <Yeah>. I get. <laughs> and Jesus is God. This fact is just breaking over them even harder than the waves were. 
because they see the manifestation of his power. And, and when they see that it causes an, in a sense, an appropriate fear. Yeah. But it's a fear that according to Jesus should, when united in faith, actually cast out other fear that actually should ground them. And so I think mm-hmm. that that's, that's amazing, but I, I want to also zoom in a little bit, and I and I think this is maybe a little bit of an aside, but one that I wanted to take sure. and plan for anyway. But um, to think about the word, the powerful words of Jesus, because like he is the word. You know, there's a whole there's a whole way to like analyze that from the fact that like John calls him the word. Mm-hmm. You know, creation was spoken into existence by God, and so in this moment, as the Creator steps into creation. His word is powerful enough to to create the states of nature that he commands into existence, right? Mm-hmm. And what's amazing about that is that as you read this text, it also exists as a word of Christ, right? So, like, mm. in as much as the the power of the word of God exists that can create new states of life and nature and things like that, the the Bible itself is a word of God is the Mm -hmm. word of God. And through it, Jesus today speaks and uses those words to change hearts and minds. And I I think that that's the critical thing that gets missed sometimes when folks start talking about inerrancy in weird ways nowadays. Like I see people talking about wanting to throw out inerrancy. It's such a hot topic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We've had that on our show a little bit with, uh, Robert P. Jones. Yeah, and I've seen I've seen these ideas represent. And so Philip sent me a thing today that I think represents a larger kind of rumbling that I hear yeah. around. I mean, some of the former young restless reform folks I feel like get into this camp. Some evangelicals get into this camp kind of thing, and where it's inerrancy, you have to chuck it because it's a idea that we are foisting on the text that somehow. It, like to to say that the text is an errant text, like we're trying to make the Bible meet scientific standards. We're trying to make it, you know, meet modern ideas of truth and rigor and all this kind of stuff, which it was never intended to do. Yeah, in a yeah. lot of ways, they're saying we are making it try to do something that it's not even trying to do. Right. Which is an interesting, interesting right. take. Like, yeah. That that's a pretty popular take in the oh, yeah. modern evangelical space. Yeah, it's like whoa, like we really need to approach the text on its terms and those kind of things. And then um, the second thing I hear people talk about is like how inerrancy it spans outward from the text. The problem isn't inerrancy itself within the text so much as like as it ins- it spans outward to give authority to people like pastors or whoever who's trying to say like no 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 like you need to do this, or this is the way things are, or whatever, and and justify evil things that are their own ideas because they're saying they get it from an inerrant text. And so those are both interesting things, but I think they miss a fundamental point that comes back to Mark 4. Mm -hmm. Because the point is not what we think about the text. The point is not like how we're analyzing the text by today's standards, all that stuff. I think there's good points in there, but the main Mm -hmm. point of inerrancy isn't a scientific analysis. The main point of inerrancy is who wrote the Bible Mm. at the end of the day. Did God speak or not? Right. Because that's the way, if you look at like the biblical text and the writers and how they approach the scripture, because remember, the scriptures progressed over a thousand years, right? There's more and more revelation. Was it the case that they approached it like, oh, you know what? Let's modify that a little bit. Like that guy didn't quite get it right. And the Bible can totally contradict itself because yeah, it looked over here and was like, oh, that writer said this. And you know, I really want to contradict that. I want to give the other side of that. Like, is that really how it is? Or, or was it actually a product of God speaking? I think that's the fundamental thing that people are missing. God spoke. And if God spoke, that dictates a fundamental character, authority, trustworthiness, and truthfulness of the content. Yeah, I think it starts to get like you have to presuppose that the scripture is not 
much more than very inspired men who wrote it down. And so it, it carries some authority because of its content. Um, but it's you, it's still written by men. So you kind of just have to let it, let the contradictions be there and, and admit that it's not inerrant in order for you to be able to just use it the way you need to kind of thing. Yeah. And, and it, it really, like, I agree. I think that misses the mark because that, that question is not being answered. Did God speak or the question is being answered and they are saying no. Right. He didn't. And then, and, but that's the thing. If you're going to claim that, well, I'm approaching the Bible in such a way that doesn't treat it as if God spoke, well, then don't pretend like you're trying to treat the Bible on its terms and not modern terms. Mm. Because that's fair. in the Bible's terms, the constant refrain, Old and New Testament, is the word of Yahweh. The word yeah. of the Lord. Mm -hmm. This is the word of Christ. Like you read the prophets, that phrase, that two, like two word, the word of the word of Yahweh phrase gets repeated over and over and over and over and over again. Mm. And it's that very fact that they thought made any of it matter. Right. And I think that that's the thing is that if, if God hasn't spoken and the Bible is like this kind of text that just, you know, lived in the ancient Near East and just they could kind of spiritual document. Yeah, throw around some ideas about their about their relationship with Yahweh back and forth and and people could kind of chop it up about their thoughts about Jesus and who he was. Like if that's what it is, then I mean everybody pack your stuff and go home because like there's nothing to see here. Like mm. it's literally yeah. just some dudes talking. It might as well just be Twitter. You know, <laughs> like literally that's the deal. Like there has to be, if there isn't hmm. some sort of divine authority there, that's the fundamental question. Either there's divine authority, there's divine word, there's a divine author, divine person behind the words, or there isn't. And if there is now, now certainly if there is, it doesn't mean that that's trying to be a science textbook. It doesn't mean that David's Psalms are trying to perfectly describe the Copernican revolution in his, his poetry. Of course not. Right. That's not what we're, that's not what inerrancy is saying. Inerrancy is saying though, if it was trying to teach a scientific thing, if it was trying to teach something about the world and how it functions, is it wrong? Because God wouldn't be. Right. And I think that's the part that people have a huge like struggle with. I, um, there might be this assumption that the the words of God or the word of God in its purity, in its authority, in its inerrancy couldn't be corrupted. So then you take people in history who have done things in the name of God or done things in the name of Christ, you know, Christianity or whatever, or done things in the name of Christ, and they say because something that is supposed to be so pure was used in such a corruptible way, then there has to be something wrong with the source. Take the insurrection. Hmm. January 6th, they're seeing a lot of people who are claiming Christ doing evil. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, so they're saying there must be something wrong with the source in order for people to go off the rails and take something that's supposed to be so pure and authoritative and, and go left. What's funny about Not that? Not politically. What's funny about that example is the fact that even the telling of that story is corrupted, right? So, mm. like, let's say we have a clear word on what happened on January 6th, which I believe we do, but it's not as if that's not contested and twisted and used for its own evil ends, even the story of the facts of that day. Mm. So, like, if somebody's going to take that and make an assessment and say it's objective and stuff, then how are they not doing the same thing? Hmm? At, at the end of the day, they are, they are resting on there as a standard of some sort of knowable fact that I can judge based off of, right? Even to say, this is, this is wrong, this is right. You know, if you're going to say, oh, well, these people shouldn't have acted in this way, what you're saying is there's a knowable truth about the way these people acted. And so... All right, I got you. Okay, And so, sure. like, and, and you're doing that based off a news report, whereas what we're talking about is the word of God. Right. So if people can twist a news report, right? Yeah. People can twist all sorts of stuff. And the news report can be wrong. You know what I mean? You're gonna throw out the word of God based on a news report? Like people can twist anything. <laughs> right. People can twist anything. And that's what I would say. There are there are facts about history, even just something as simple as history. Mm -hmm. Like the events themselves 
happened. But then you can have people take uh, an ahistorical take on something that is verifiable within history. We know what the events were. We know exactly what happened. And then they go about it and say, well, that actually didn't happen. The intentions here were da-da-da-da-da-da-da. It doesn't affect the source of the event that happened. Exactly. That thing is still true. Exactly. And that event still happened. You are just taking that exactly. information and manipulating it. But that doesn't say that that doesn't put does it change anything about the source. Yeah, it doesn't do anything to the source. Right. So would you say you think a lot of the the critiques of inerrancy are mainly because of um poor praxis by people who who bang the drum of I believe in inerrancy or just lazy or bad behavior? I think that's part of it. You know, just like we talked about on our deconstruction episode, um, that a lot of it does come down to People are hurt. Yeah. And then I think they see also ways that we approach the text, like in our in our conservative faith community, that maybe just don't make sense. Like I was saying earlier, people try to find like scientific things in the Psalms and all this stuff, and that's not it. But one thing that the text really is talking about is the source of the text, which is— right. The word of the Lord. It says it over and over again. So I don't think some some of the people who I have seen more have this conversation. I don't think that they would necessarily even disagree with you on that. So then I if they would agree like this is this is definitely the word of the Lord. Um, then I would say, well, then what are we talking about as far as like his character and the character of that that word? And what does right. the Bible say about that? Right. Like once again, like if we want to be faithful to the document, which is ostensibly what some of these folks are saying like then what does it say about the importance of god being the source of the document um and and i think too i I see some people throw this out like oh well even inerrantists just believe that it's inerrant in the original manuscripts but we don't even have those so that's just such a hair-splitting distinction Mm -hmm. do you guys feel any like there's any weight to that at all like god was able to speak to the original manuscript and he was able to get his words down clearly, but then he had no way to get it beyond that. Once it got on that first page, you know, there is, there is no way for like the full intent of God's meaning to get, to get to people. No, I think people are just acknowledging the fact that after the original manuscripts, people copied stuff down, like people got involved in that process. So mistakes could be made, Mm -hmm. but in what God said through his authors, that was a revelatory process, right? Right. It was God breathed. It was his words. So he didn't mess up. Exactly. I don't see why that's hard. I think that it's a good framework, Trevor, your, your divine source. Cause you're like, are you saying it's not from God? Okay. It is from God. But I, yeah. Then what do you, if it's from God, then what do you believe about God? Yeah. And and that's the thing you have to wrestle with. It, it, is God speaking? If he is speaking, then what do you think about him? Because then if you can agree that it's him speaking, then it's like, okay, then there's something about the character attributes yeah. of God that are inconsistent. And some of it might be splitting hairs yeah. too. Well, because yeah. I don't think yeah. that everybody's like, we should throw out the Bible. Because like you said, it's authoritative or it's not. I think that's the key issue, man. Because it gets there really quick, right? Like in that thread you sent me on Twitter, within three responses, there is a guy who believes that the biblical text doesn't stand on its own authority. It needs the authority of the church. Hops into the discussion and is like, like, hey, I'm with you. Like, it's great to hear somebody like not holding up the, the total inerrancy of the word of God standing on its own. But, and this was his question, how do you handle like, so that you don't swerve off in a heretical doctrine. And the answer that came back was, was super hilarious because the guy was like, yeah. the Apostles' Creed. Mm-hmm. Well, the Apostles' Creed is less detailed than the Nicene Creed, which is uh, what was formulated to very clearly lay out the divinity of Jesus. So like, even something as basic to the Christian faith as the, the divinity of Jesus is not clearly articulated in the Apostles' Creed. So like, And also... The the Bible's an inerrant is not an inerrant document. It's in contradiction and conversation with itself. So the way that I keep that text in check so that I don't go off of heretical things is this other just Man, man-made like, thing. Man-made. The source of it is is even more 
you know what I mean? More obscure than at least the biblical text is, right? So yeah. it's just kind of funny that that, would be, that that would be the answer. And that is the problem, right? The problem is you take the authority off of God's book. Where does it go? go? Yeah. yeah, people. It goes to folks. And then once right. again— that, that usually turns out pretty well historically, right, Trev? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know, people abuse authority, right? The people abuse the word of God. It's sad. It 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 stinks that it happens. Yeah. But I think it, it doesn't change the fact that there's a lot of hope in the fact that God, who knows everything, who, because he created everything and has all power, just like we saw in Mark 4, told us about the world and what we needed to know about life with him and life, you know, that glorifies him. As yeah. far as how we treat our neighbor, that's an amazing thing um, to have that as a bedrock. Amen. Yeah. Um, before I forget, Trevor, before we get to shout outs, I want to backpedal here for a second. Go back to uh, Mark 4. Uh, Jesus calming the loud storm, as he calls it, is Ezra's favorite Bible story, too. So Aww, next time nice. you guys My talk God. on the phone, you can talk to him about that. We have, honestly, kind of a not great. Little, we have a bunch of little Bible story books. One of them that I kind of don't love, frankly. Some of them are so shortened and abbreviated that they really miss almost all of the punch of the various stories that they have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, the storm is actually this. a good one in Ezra. So we would read a couple every night. And then once we got to the loud storm, after that, it would be like, the loud storm and then the next story. Like every night would be the loud storm and then the next one instead of just two new ones. Nice. So yeah, it's, his, it's his favorite. I love that. Scholar to be. That's... Well, it's just so, so stark and clear. A, a raging storm, like the raw power of nature, and then a man standing up going, be quiet. And just yeah. stopping. Like that's astounding. Yeah. And then the and then the relationships between the disciples and and Jesus and every it's just amazing. Yeah. Um, I love that dude. Yeah, I love that text. And then yeah, one last word to anybody who, if you feel like called out or shouted out by what I was saying on an errancy, like maybe or misunderstood. Like if I'm misunderstanding your position, you're like, yeah, man, I'm against an errancy, and and you know, I just you get you completely missed the point hit us up in the email or the comments yeah, or shoot us, on, yeah, shoot us an email. Like, on I that don't want to understand this better, but like, I, I just don't under, understand how anyone overcomes that obstacle of like the, the text very clearly says the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah. And, and that yeah. implies, and, and, the, and they believed that that implied something about the character and, and nature Authority. of the text. Yeah. 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 And so I don't know how you get around that. Like, that that the original audience of this book believed that that claim meant something about the character and nature of these words. Yeah. I had a, a, a friend of mine who uh, got to a point of not uh, believing in inerrancy. And I think the biggest thing was just the practical, like he just didn't believe that God's word could last that long over over that amount of time it just couldn't like because you know you try the the word of mouth thing Mm -hmm. and the translation and the thoughts and the ideas and stuff they can just get lost in translation and there's so many years and and he's just like i don't i just i doubt that that message from the original speaking of that message all the way till now traveled that long accurately um and it's unfortunate yeah and I mean, and and the folks who struggle with that, I mean, the nice thing about that is, um, I mean, there's a there's a lot of ways to approach that issue, but I think one of them is even just the actual, some of the actual physical evidence that exists that actually, like the fundamental deposit of Jesus and his teachings, at least, mm-hmm. is very, very faithfully preserved and yeah. very well documented um, to to be True. so. Um, from the first century. So I, th- I think that there's something to be said about there, that even. Yeah. If you can, like Michael Kruger's work in that area is super good. We've mm-hmm. shouted it out before. And, and then from a, I mean, obviously from a textual standpoint, if, if the word of Christ can continue to sustain everything that exists, certainly he can sustain 
his own his word. own revelation of himself. Right. Amen. Yeah. yeah. All right. Boom. Shout outs. Shout outs. <laughs> Let's do it. I'll make mine quick. Actually, Vince, uh, before the show, told me he would alley oop hit uh, bless your playlist over to me this week. Um, yeah. Let me let me take the segment. Hopefully, I don't write it in the ground. But um, I was um, checking out this Australian rapper. <laughs> yeah. By nice. the name of Ziggy Ramo. Mm-hmm. R-A-M-O? Yeah, yeah. And um, he's an indigenous rapper from Australia and just very socially conscious in his rap. Um, if you're checking out a song, I would recommend the his new his album, 2020 album, uh, Black Thoughts. The second song on there is Blackface and just talks about an instance of a kid going into school in Australia in blackface and like winning an award Oof. for his costume. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, just I, I, the reason why I like that song is he responds to that with the questions that are appropriate to that issue. But he also does so in a way that explicitly says like, you're not my enemy. You guys hmm. who don't get this, who, who don't like, I think he says something around the lines like race is just a color. I have a love for all men. Like it's, and I think that that is very olive branch extending in a way to say, like, there's a lot of hate coming against me. There's a lot of oppression coming against me. But, like, I'm not, I'm not going to return that to you. you. I'm not going to return that to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to ask you to see that, to see those issues, to, to recognize that reality, and then respect my humanity, my dignity, and my worth. Where mm-hmm. uh, where did you so, hear about Ziggy Ramo? Actually, um, that there's a story it's behind an that Apple too. Podcast or an Apple uh, playlist? No, um, there was a GQ uh, article I read on Apple News. Okay, nice. Because I don't listen to playlists very often, which I also coincidentally don't hear about new artists a ton anymore either. So maybe I should look into those more. Yeah, yeah. no, it was cool. It was uh the the Australian person who whoever they were like picked 21 from different nations and that was the one for australia and it sounded i was checking them out as i listened through and i was like oh this guy has bars i dig it well i'll check that out as soon as we're done recording nice nice so my shout out this week is um i'm changing it up it's not gonna be a musician today (laughs) um it's gonna be a comedian um her name is zainab johnson uh, Z-A-I-N-A-B Johnson. And she's actually pretty popular. She's uh, on the show, the Netflix show, 100 Humans. She's been on Last Comic Standing. She's one of the main characters on um, an Amazon original uh, show called Upload. Hmm. And she's also done some stuff on uh, Jimmy Kimmel. And she's just got a lot of good comedy. And it's, it, it, it is... I will give you the 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 caution. It isn't always clean. Oh yeah, um, big caution on. Uh, if you don't see the explicit on mine as well. <laughs> yeah, um, but I, I would say it's, it's it's she's just good. She she does comedy in a way. I think one thing that I've seen super common in um, female comedians is um, I and I know plenty of them are really really good, but sometimes they can be just super crass and only talk about the bedroom right and it it that can get played out really fast for sure um, and so she's she it's not that she doesn't talk about relationships or anything like that but she does kind of switch it up to where it's it's not always um the same thing and then her roles in in certain movies and tv shows that she's done um has been really really good so um definitely check her out she's got a website she's got a podcast called honest tea with z nice um and Honest she's got t like, with z that's that's yeah. pretty good title that's pretty actually good, yeah um and she's got like over 140 episodes well she's got over 100k followers yeah she's 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 really funny so if you just want a, a pretty decent laugh um and something that's that's going to be different <laughs> zaynab johnson a pretty decent laugh no that's, <laughs> that's, that's the, the blur line. from the substance <laughs> no, no 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 and she's really good she's really good oh, that's <laughs> no she's really good and so if if you if you're looking for a, a a very good laugh a very hearty laugh uh definitely check out uh zaynab johnson nice 
Uh, this week, I wanted to shout out uh, a podcast series that I've been listening to. Um, there's a show called The Big Picture. It's a ringer podcast, and they've been doing a series uh, recently on Siskel and Ebert, and I've just been really enjoying it. They're all pretty short. They're all about a half hour. Um, if you guys have been listening to us for any length of time, you guys will know that I'm a big, I'm a big movie fan. I'm also a big film criticism fan. Like good film criticism is not as good as a good movie, but it can help you see different things like well-written thoughts on well-written movies is just something I love a whole lot. And um, Roger Ebert was one of the first guys that I, I saw when I was young. I used to watch the show all the time. So it's just kind of a cool, fun little history of how these two very um, dissimilar men working in Chicago kind of came together to really introduce a whole generation to like film criticism. And like these two men really made film criticism popular. And like, that's why there are a lot of the types of back and forth shows of people disagreeing and arguing with each other. And like, movie podcasts and movie youtube channels like a lot of it really does go back to these two guys so really fun little podcast series on uh, gene and roger at the uh, the big picture nice fantastic that sounds dope um so i'm not exactly sure by the time you're hearing this what the uh status of the 21 and 21 campaign will be maybe you've all have all joined at five or ten bucks a month and we're, we've Everybody. knocked it out already that could happen That'd be dope. But the last several weeks we've had about a new person join a week, which is awesome. So um, you can go in the show notes, look at the anchor link there. You can sign up to support at five or $10 a month. If that is something that works for you, if the substance is content that you appreciate and enjoy and find value in that is stimulating and encouraging and you want more of it, Join up with us. That would be awesome. We, we really genuinely appreciate everyone who signs up. It's helping us scale. We own our website now, and by the time you're hearing this, you may be, um, you may be surfing on it there. So thank you to you guys um, for mm-hmm. that. And if monthly support is not really the way you like to do things, you can give us individual donations on Cash App at dollar sign the substance pod so appreciate each and every one of you supporting the show follow us on instagram facebook and twitter at the substance pod talk to us about your your um comments and thoughts on today's episode what you thought about inerrancy um what's your favorite bible verse um and tell us why and um tell us about your your encounter with certain uh, stereotypes around mental health. We want to we want to know what you guys are dealing with. We want to know what you guys are experiencing, and we want to know also what you guys are overcoming because we do believe that there are plenty of people who have things to go through and and plenty of victories that are being had. So um, let us know in the comments section, create your own post and tag us. And also that's where our guests are going to be, um, who we've talked to or who we're going to talk to and our giveaways. We've had some really, really sweet giveaways. Thanks to Philip for that. Really hard work behind the scenes. Um, So if you want to qualify for those and have a chance to win any of uh, mostly it's been books, book giveaways, let us know. And, um, only way to participate is to follow the socials. That's right. We love audience participation as well in our emails. It's just always encouraging to have a listener engage with us through email. Most of the time, in my experience, <laughs> if it's not Matt from Kansas City, it's um, somebody who, somebody who, maybe even if it's Matt from Kansas City, maybe there's a disagreement with something we said. And honestly, that just gets us really excited because allows us to engage, allows us to hear perspective, allows us to refine our thought. Folks have point out uh, parts of consistency that we need to refine. It's been really good. Mm-hmm. And so if you've been listening to us and you're like, man, I don't know, I think, I think there takes a little whack. That's what the substance pod at gmail.com exists for y'all. Get, get on that mm-hmm. keyboard and type out your thoughts. Uh, get those organized. Give us your perspective. If writing it all out isn't what you're trying to do, maybe you want to um, just share your heart directly or you have a testimonial or something like that, you can actually give us a call and leave us a voice message at 913-703-3883. And so we appreciate you being with us all the way through to the end. And so we will see you next time on The Substance. Peace. Peace.
So let me, <laughs> as I was like, hey guys, set me up. I'm just going to let the ball fall to the ground. Um, was not intending for this to be a plug. Um, plug in the Bible. 